Well, as I said earlier, my trip to Israel was absolutely amazing. And as I sat here two weeks ago uh, and we were singing, it struck me that I was so busy I didn't even have time to prepare and need time to think about uh, what I was about to do. And I remember standing down there and just being overwhelmed that in a few hours that I'd be walking the same ground that Jesus walked. And indeed I did, and it was life-transforming. As I said earlier, if you ever get to go, you really need to go. Uh, and so I'm serious about that. I would love to some, organize some trips to go and take people with me because even singing that song, that you, the God of angel armies, when you recognize how small Israel is and how many people have sought to wipe the, the Jewish people off the face of the earth, you understand that there's got to be a God who has protected them. Over and over and over again, when the odds were against the people of Israel, God showed up in an amazing way and gave them victory after victory after victory. And to see the proximity of even Gideon, when he could see very closely uh, the enemy on the other side of the valley, probably could hear them. When you understand those things, having been there, it changes your perspective on God's Word. It changes your perspective on so many things that we read that you just can't fathom unless you've been there. But as we got there, and it began to sink in as we were looking at over the shores of the Sea of Galilee, which really is just a great big lake. One morning, I was sitting on top of the roof, and I took this picture. And as I was looking out over the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and I saw the sunrise. You know, I was reminded that this is the same sun that rose on these same beaches when Jesus was walking the earth. The same sun that rose as the disciples were fishing was the same one that I was observing this morning. And so I don't know, do you have that picture there? If you can just see this and the glory of God being revealed morning after morning after morning, that is amazing to me. And as I began to realize, having already walked some of those shores and getting ready for that particular day, that the glory of God is still being revealed in His Son today. It's a different Son. It's the Son of God that, that as He walked those shores and now He sits at the right hand of God Almighty, that His glory is still being revealed over and over and over and there was a phrase that began to surface. There was a theme, and you guys know how I like themes. As the Holy Spirit shows up, there's usually a theme that he is uh, communicating to us. And that theme was this. It started when I was on the shores of Galilee, and it continued to the, the last day I was there in the Garden of Gethsemane and getting ready to walk the Via Della Rosa. And it was this. It was more of a question. Are you sleeping? How many of us have been asleep when God wants to do something mighty? How many of us have been asleep at the, the most important moments of our life when, when God wanted to do something so amazing in our lives that we just missed out? I remember walking those shores, the very beach where Jesus probably called the disciples the same beach, I think it was, that he restored Peter after Peter had denied him three times. You know, walking 
in probably the same proximity, and a lot of these things we don't know exactly where Jesus was, but it is so such a small area that you know that Jesus walked this. That one picture that was up a moment ago, we're looking on to what would have been Capernaum, that as you look dead center and you see those trees up on the center, if you come down to the left, that hill there is probably the Mount Beatitudes where Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. Over to the right, uh, would be where Capernaum was, where Jesus spent his t most of his time, where Peter and his wife would have lived, and in the middle would be probably the shores that Jesus called the disciples, the very shore that he restored Peter to. Over to the far left would be Magdala, where Mary Magdalene was, and so from Capernaum to Magdala is no more than seven miles that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all took place within that seven-mile region. It's amazing when you see those things, and it's amazing when you look at what God did in that short period of time. You know, we, we understand uh, that the disciples were fishermen, you know, and, and back in those days, there was two primary ways of living. One was fishing, right? We, we know that, and, and, and that area of the lake is an amazing area of the lake where uh, there's tremendous fishing that takes place there. Uh, but also, probably the second and, and most important thing is that there is uh, salting would have been the other key thing in there. So in Magdala, that's one of the areas where they would salt some of the fish. And, and um, you know, the amazing thing is that when you look at the fact that the disciples would catch the, their fish, they would actually keep them alive. And archaeologists have discovered, you know, that they had these pools that they would have, that the, the fishermen would bring them in, they put the fish in the pools to keep them alive until that they could uh, salt them. That, and those fish went all around the Roman world at the time. They went, you know, it was, it's said that Herod would also often call for salted fish from Magdala so that he, he could eat them. It's, it's amazing to me that God chose this little corner of the world to spread his gospel. And right there is where it all took place. And so as I was reminded as I was sitting there what God did in an amazing, amazing way. And so I wanted to take some of what I learned and share it with you this morning because I think that for far too many of us, we're asleep. We're asleep at the most important moments of our lives. We're asleep at the most important moments that Jesus wants to do something in our lives. And we have to understand that God at one point or another, calls all of us to follow him. I'm not so sure the, the disciples understood the call on their lives. I'm not really sure they understood much of what was to take place. And as we look at the lives of the disciples, it's easy for us to pick on them and say, man, if I was able to walk with Jesus, I'd have understood. But I don't think that's very true. I think that we understand more than they did, and we still are asleep. We still miss out on the fact that God calls each and every one of us to follow him. If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 5, I, I want to read to you the account of the calling of four of the disciples. You know, and I think that if we're honest with ourselves, we, we cherry pick certain of these stories and we don't get the whole context and, and so we're familiar with the first part of this story when Jesus calls the disciples he says this on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret which is also the sea of Galilee and he saw two boats out on the lake 
but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. And so here's the scene. They'd been out all night. They're coming back. They're washing their nets, putting everything up. When Jesus it comes on the scene, verse 3, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little bit from land. And he sat down and he taught the people from that boat. And when he had finished speaking to them, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon, that's Peter, answered, Master, we toiled all night and we took in nothing. But at your word, I'll let the nets down. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. What's amazing is to this day, there are natural springs that come up out of the ground underneath the sea, underneath the lake. And where that cold water hits the warm water, fish gather. Now, there's no way that the disciples would have known that. In fact, they're marked today where these, these springs are. There's no way the disciples would have known that, but Jesus did. Throw your nets in right over here. And they caught so many fish that the boats began to sink. We're familiar with that story, but what we're not familiar with is what happened next. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at the knees of Jesus, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had just taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything, and they followed him. I want you to see the scene here, you know, that they had just been out all night. They hadn't caught anything, and here comes this young rabbi telling them to throw their nets in in a different place. They catch all these fish, and when they come ashore, what's the word of God say? They left everything and followed Jesus. I believe it was on the same shores that I was able to walk that Jesus called the disciples and he called them to follow him and they left him. Peter was married. He left his wife behind to follow Jesus. He left his income behind to follow Jesus. I'm not so sure that we really understand the call that God puts on our lives. Yes, we understand that he's calling us to be his children so that we don't have to spend an eternity paying the punishment of our own sin, the wages of our sin, but do we really understand the call that he's put on our lives to follow him? I'm not so sure that we do. I, I also don't think that the, under, the disciples understood that the time was near. And in a similar way, I don't think we understand how close the time is that that. When we understand that there's at any moment Jesus could come back. When we first got to Jerusalem, we were sitting on the, the hill um, called the Mount of Olives and we're overlooking Jerusalem. That If I'm standing here on, on, on the, the Mount of Olives and I'm looking over at the shops right there, that's how close it is. That's how close we were to the Dome of the Rock, which one day God's going to take care of and it will no longer exist but it, we were that close, and we really started talking about the end times and all the things that are lining up to say that it could be at any single moment. The time is near. But do we really understand that? Do we understand that with enough understanding and certainty that it transforms the way we live? I don't think the, the disciples understood that. And I remember when I was sitting up on the, 
on the roof of my hotel the day before we were going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And I was reading, I wanted to read through the text to prepare my heart. And I turned to Matthew chapter 26, and so I encourage you to turn there as well. That, and I wanted to read this for myself. You know, and the interesting thing after I had finished reading this, in the background at a little house that was across the street from the hotel we were staying at, a rooster crowed. Which really put things in perspective because Peter, as he lived through this, in a few short hours after this event took place, a rooster would crow and he would deny that he knew Jesus three times. But the disciples did not understand that the time was near. Let's look in verse 36 of Matthew 26. And then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. So here we have Jesus pouring out his heart to the disciples as he goes over and he prays. Jesus knew the time had come. Jesus knew that the hour that he was going to be betrayed was there. He knew it was coming in the few short hours that, would, that, that were ahead of him, but the disciples had no clue. Verse 37. He calls them to pray with them. Verse 39, and going a little bit further, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. He was praying, and we see Jesus' humanity come out, that if there is any, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. But yielding to the Father, he said, Nevertheless, as I will, but as you will. I don't think we understand the call that God has put on our life to follow him. I don't think we understand that the time is near. I don't think we understand the seriousness of the moment that we are in right now. And I believe there's been many, many times in our lives where there's been a, a very serious moment. And like the disciples, we've fallen asleep. We missed the very things that... God wanted to do in our lives, but also like the disciples, we didn't understand that the time was near. Like the disciples then, we, we don't really understand that the time was necessary. I think we understand this a little bit more than the disciples did, but they didn't understand what was about to take place was necessary, as we see in, in verse 37 through 39, that Jesus was about to have to take on the entire wrath of God in our place. The entire wrath. And he was begging God, if there is any way to let this cup pass, then please do. And then we come to verse 40. And he came to the disciples who he'd asked to watch and pray. He came to them and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Could you not watch for just one hour? Watch and pray 
that you do not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I just wonder how many times Jesus has come to the church. He's come to us individually. He's come to us corporately, ready to do something amazing. And he's found us asleep. At one of the crucial moments in the history of mankind, the disciples were asleep. As we've looked at the Americanized church, over the previous months, how many times has the church in America been asleep? Fathers, how many times have we as dads, as we as spiritual leaders in our homes, how many times have we been asleep? And we've missed what it is that God wants to do in us. We've missed what God wants to do through our children, and we have slumbered. disciples didn't understand they didn't understand that the time was near they didn't understand that what was about to take place was necessary and they certainly didn't understand that the time is right now and I wonder if we understand that or as well that right now that at any moment Jesus could return when we look at the mission that we've plastered on our wall to make disciples with the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ can we honestly say if Jesus were to turn at the end of this service that we as a church did everything we could to tell all in our neighborhood, to tell our family, to tell our co-workers, to tell them about the life-transforming love of Jesus Christ? Or have we been asleep? If there's any chance that we are going to reach 200,000 people with the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ, we cannot do as the disciples did and fall asleep at this most important time in the history of the world where the time could be right now. Verse 43. Go back to 42 and again for the second time he went away and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass Unless I drink of it, then your will be done. And again, he came and he found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them, again, he went and he went away and he prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and he said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. They didn't understand. They didn't understand that the enemy was there, that the enemy had come to seek and to kill and destroy, and I'm not so sure that we do either. I'm not so sure that we understand that the time is now. I'm not so sure we understand what is at stake. I'm not so sure that the time is now. Jesus would, in the hours to come, not only be betrayed, but he would be crucified to take on the entire wrath of God. And, and before that took place, 
Peter would deny that he even knew Jesus three times. The third time, there would be a charcoal fire that was there that he had been standing around as people were warming their hands, and for the third time, he denied that he knew Jesus at all. After the resurrection, Peter was one of the ones that he and John ran to the tomb, and I saw a tomb, it may be the tomb that Jesus was put in that was empty, and I just was imagining the excitement and the enthusiasm that would have been in his mind to see this empty tomb, to, to see Christ, and after two times of seeing the risen Lord, we find Peter back on the same shores of Galilee going back to fishing, and I wonder why. Why, after knowing he's risen from the dead, why, after seeing him twice, would you go back to fishing? I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he betrayed Jesus. That maybe because of his past, he felt like he couldn't be the one to go in the future to tell everybody about God, to tell about the risen Lord. Maybe that describes you. Maybe you think that because of your past that there's, there's no way you can help us participate in that. And if there's no way you can help us participate in that, there's no way you can help us do that. But I want to take you to one more passage of Scripture this morning as we conclude that I believe may have taken place on the same beach that Jesus called Peter to follow him. Turn with me to John chapter 21. I think all of us can relate with Peter on so many levels with the, the fact that he would always react rather than respond to the Spirit, that he would always do things. And even at the moment that Peter woke up out of his slumber, the very first thing that he did after he woke up was to cut somebody's ear off. And Peter, time after time after time, reacted and had to confess his sin. But I believe that Peter was so defeated that he goes back to fishing. And we, we, we pick this up and... In, in John chapter 21, Jesus had already revealed himself, and Simon decided he was going back to fishing, and he got John and some others to go with him, and he said, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, well, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. I want you to recognize the parallels between the first story when Jesus called the disciples and what took place on this. So they once again were out all night. They've caught nothing. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered, no. And he said to them, cast the nets on the right side, and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish and then the disciple who Jesus loved, that's John, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon heard it, imagine all that's going through his mind. His defeat, his denial, is giving up and going back to fishing. When he understood that it was the Lord, he threw on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. 
The other disciples came in, the boat dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. There's only two mentions in the word of God of a charcoal fire. The first was the fire over which Peter denied Christ for the three, third time. And the second is this. Isn't it amazing how God works? Imagine what Peter would have thought every time he smelled a charcoal fire would have been the reminder of his denial of Jesus. And knowing that, Jesus had something else in mind. Jesus said to him, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And so Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And all there, there were so many, the net was not torn. So Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now one of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. Now, this was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. I want you to see what happened next. Because I believe there's so many of us that are so defeated and so discouraged that we think that God cannot use us. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Son of John, do you love me more than these? And each of the time he uses the word love, it's a slightly different word. And he said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, Feed my lambs. He said a second time. Son of John, do you love me? And he said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, perhaps because of the three denials, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. At one point in time, all of us have fallen asleep. And I believe we've missed the amazing things that God has wanted to do in our lives. And some of us have paid dear consequences of that. Others who were under our leadership have paid dear consequences for that. And what the enemy wants to do, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy and nullify you from ever 
feeding God's sheep again. But Jesus died that we might have life. He died that we may participate with him. And just as he restored Peter on this day, I believe God this morning wants to restore people into fellowship with him and into serving him because the time is at hand. It's time for us to wake up. time for us to finish the job that Jesus gave us to finish of multiplying disciples because of his love and his grace and his mercy. As we come to our conclusion, I want to ask yourself the question, how much have I missed because I've been asleep? How much have you missed that God has wanted to do in your life because you have been slumbering? How much of a church have we missed because we have not been awake and following the, the Holy Spirit's leading? The time is now. There are people all in this community who are on their way to hell. And while Jesus may tarry for a few more years, their days may be few. Jesus has put a call in our lives to follow him. The enemy wants to keep us from doing that. And there's some things in our lives that have blocked that, that maybe you need to come forward this morning and confess that to God and allow God, just as he did with Peter, to restore you so that we can fulfill the mission that Jesus has left us with. God called the disciples to be fishers of men. And that same call is on your life and my life. The question is, will we follow him or will we slumber? Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you have allowed us to understand your word, how we have been able to discover things through archaeology that prove that your word is true. Father, I thank you for your restoration in our lives. How you've restored Peter and how you want to restore us to be followers of you. Father, I pray right now that we would experience your restoration in a greater way than Peter did, that we would experience your love and your forgiveness and your compassion. And God, that we'd be willing to wake up and to follow you. God, I pray that your spirit would move right now in such an amazing way to wake up a sleeping church so that we can fulfill the mission that you left us with. In Jesus' name, amen.